Amen. Uh, we are uh, going to continue in uh, Philippians chapter 1 today. Um, so however you prefer, uh, you can be turning there. Uh, if you do not have a Bible app on your phone, we recommend version, And uh, with it, you can have the Word of God at your fingertips. You can find plans to help it make sense. You can actually find plans for whatever you're going through. And uh, you can also follow along with our screens while you're here. So uh, if you don't have a, a Bible app on your phone, uh, now is a wonderful time to, uh, to download it. So we started this series last week. And remember, uh, this rich and priceless letter is the result of closed doors. Paul did not ever plan to come to Philippi, but God had different plans. Uh, we know when God closes one door, he opens another. And in a vision... He called the Apostle Paul to go and share the gospel in Macedonia, which led him to Philippi. And we see that there was fruit in his journey, but also opposition. Paul and Silas found themselves arrested, beaten, shackled, and put in prison for exercising a demon in the name of Jesus. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul lists some of the hardships that he faced. Uh, throughout his life, um, trying to further the gospel, uh, the movement of Jesus. Here's just a, a small list. In prison, he says, often, beaten, often. From the Jews, he received 39 lashes, five times. He was stoned, which means that people threw rocks at him and left him for dead. He was shipwrecked, marooned on an island for three months, peril after peril, weariness, sleeplessness, hunger, thirst, cold, and nakedness, plus all the mental toil that he had for all the churches that he had started and continued to minister to. And so a question that came to my mind is, um, why didn't Paul see all of this opposition as more closed doors? Any of us would have been ready to, to throw in the towel on any one of these and say, okay, God, I am done. I'm going to choose a different way. I'm going to go a different way because this one is too hard. You must be closing this door and calling me to go a different way. How do we know the difference between a door that God is closing and a door that Satan is attempting to close? Well, the first blank on your outline, it requires an intimacy, a closeness with the Lord that nothing else can substitute. John 10, 27 says, My sheep hear my voice. And I believe that the Lord knows the best way to get through to each one of us, get through to our hearts, and through every difficulty and every challenge, we have to remain close. We have to keep the communication lines open between our heart and God's. Every challenge has the potential to, to drive us away from God or drive us closer to God. And so we must choose to remain ever closer, even in the midst of difficulty. We have to go back to when he called us to do what we're facing the challenges to do. We have to go back to the times that he confirmed that calling through his word and through his people. And while we do need to have a willingness to quit something when we're called, we also need to have the same willingness to continue to move forward in the strength that only he gives until he tells us, a different direction to go. God's word to the prophet Jeremiah, it speaks to our heart today. He was a prisoner when God said to him in chapter 33, 3, call to me and I will answer you 
and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Chapter 29, verses 13 and 14 says, You will seek me and you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you, says the Lord. What we see is that we too can have joy through difficulty when we know that we are in his will. And the way to know that we're in his will is by staying close to the Lord. Through it all, Paul had joy. He chose joy. And this is a major theme throughout this book. We saw it last week. And the reason he chose joy is because he realized that Jesus and the gospel really do matter. They matter more than anything else. Everything he endured, he did it for Jesus. Remember, Philippians was written from jail. And never in any of his writings did he feel sorry for himself. Never, never does he say, oh, woe is me. Like I would have. If, I, if it was me writing, it would have been, woe is me. Oh, feel sorry for me. Lord, get me out of here. Never was it. We'll see today, if, if the gospel was moving forward, then Paul was good. If the gospel was, 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 was touching hearts, then, God, then, then Paul was good. Even in prison, even in riots, even in opposition, even in death. If the gospel was good, then Paul was good. That's how he could have joy, no matter what. That's how he could be thankful, no matter what. It seems almost daily that God was adding to his people and last week we saw that, that, that fellowship with God's people, it's valuable. Being a part of God's people, it brings that word koinonia that we are becoming more and more familiar with. It means that we, we have something in common. And it's still the same for us today as it was for them. The gospel, the spirit, the sufferings that we have, all have in life, they bring us as God's people closer together. I think that's part of the purpose of the church. To support one another in difficulty. And that support brings fellowship and that fellowship brings joy. So you and I can be confident, verse 6 in chapter 1, that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. Today's passage dives deeper, dives deeper into finding joy in difficulty. It's appropriate. I just want you to know I, I worked on this message a month and a half ago. But it is appropriate for where we are today. If you would, if you're able, please stand out of respect for God's word. As we continue in Philippians 1 verses 12 and following. Hear the word of the Lord. I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel, so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. Most of the brethren in the Lord have, have become confident by my chains and are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife and some also from goodwill. The former preach Christ from the selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing to add affliction to my chains, but the latter out of love, knowing that I am appointed to the, for the defense of the gospel. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And in this I rejoice, yes, and will rejoice. Verse 19. For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. According to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life 
or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I live on in the flesh, that will mean fruit for my labor. Yet what shall I, I shall choose, I cannot tell. For I am hard pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. And being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy of faith. That your rejoicing for me may be more abundant in Jesus Christ by my coming to you again. Verse 27. Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ. So that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of your affairs. That you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. And not in any way terrified by your adversaries, which is to them a proof of perdition, but to you of salvation and that from God. For to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. And having the same conflict which you saw in me, and now here is in me. Lord bless the reading of his word. Thank you. You can have a seat. So imagine with me, if you would, that we had the opportunity to plan every step of our lives before we live them. Imagine that you could see every cause and every effect of every decision and we could alter those decisions accordingly. Imagine that we could plan to have every advantage and none of the regrets and none of the difficulties from our first breath to our last. We could set every little detail in order and it would be all good. You could probably all agree that would be a life worth living. But if it sounds like something out of a fantasy movie, it probably is. Because we know this is not reality. We know that decisions have effects. Advantages often don't come. We find ourselves in places that we, we never imagined we would be. Sometimes it's a result of our own sin that needs to be confessed and forsaken. But other times it's just life. Life happens and life can be really hard. Paul uses, excuse me, God uses Paul here in Philippians to show us how we can have a life worth living even if we can't plan every step. How we can be useful for the kingdom of God in the midst of struggles, in the midst of hurt, and in the midst of pain. When our lives are not something out of a fantasy movie. And so number one on your outline. We've already seen Paul was a prisoner. He was, he was a prisoner. But he wasn't just a prisoner. You know, Many uh, New Testament books are written specifically to churches. In specific cities. Um, most of Paul's letters are. And several times in his letters, Paul wrote that his longing, he wrote of his desire to preach the gospel in Rome. Rome was the hub of the world's greatest empire. It was the key city. The good news of Jesus could affect millions of people if it took root in Rome. And though the Lord gave him insight onto how difficult his road would be to get there, he probably didn't expect to go to Rome the way he did as a prisoner. 
It was the right of every Roman citizen to appeal to Caesar. And after being wrongfully accused and being the object of both political and religious plotting, after two years of prison in Jerusalem, Paul made his appeal to the highest court possible. It was from Rome, the prison in Rome, that he wrote Philippians. And history tells us that Paul was martyred in Rome. If you ask any believer who knows anything about the New Testament, we all agree that Paul had incredible success. So so how can a life of a felon who was the recipient of so many unjust wrongs with so many difficulties and so many hurtful things and so much negative that happened to him, how can that be considered successful? Well, because Paul wasn't just a prisoner, he was a prisoner preacher. He was a prisoner preacher. Look at verse 12. I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel, so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. And most of the brethren in the Lord have become confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Notice that word furtherance there in verse 12. It means advancement. And research tells us it's a a military term used to describe the troops that would go into new territory. And this was indeed new territory. The gospel to the Gentiles was new territory. And so his imprisonment led him to the Gentiles. If he hadn't been imprisoned, then he may... They may never have heard the gospel. If he hadn't been in prison, we wouldn't be studying this book right now. And who knows if we would have ever heard the gospel. And so through the strength of the Holy Spirit, he chose to use this negative platform of prison to preach the word. Paul would have been chained to a palace guard 24-7. History tells us that the shifts would change every six hours. And so he could present the gospel to at least four different people every day. Some of them likely dreaded being chained to this crazy fanatic that that, that constantly prayed and had a single message of this Messiah and his desire to change hearts. But others embraced it. Verse 13 there, it has become evident to the whole palace guard, and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. Nothing else would have given him the opportunity to witness to the whole palace guard unless he were a prisoner, unless he was a prisoner. Consider this. This was a new and official case. The Roman officials, they would have to decide if if Christianity was a threat to Rome or just another sect of the Jewish culture. And so they would have had to study it to see what it was all about. If Paul hadn't been imprisoned, they would probably never have studied Christianity. Did they trust Jesus? Well, we know from Acts 26, 28 that one was at least close. But if Paul had just been a prisoner and not preached the word... It all would have been for nothing, but because he was a prisoner preacher, he affected the kingdom of God for all eternity. He was incarcerated, but he was an incarcerated encourager. 
his boldness emboldened other believers. Verse 14, most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. And at this point, none of us are in prison. Don't we know that we all have negative things happen to us? Things that we would not choose on our own. Things that we would not put in our life worth living scenario. Do we use them as a platform for the gospel? Do we use them for a platform to encourage others? The next blank on your outline. What platform has God given you? When we're at the doctor's office, do we go singly focused on what's wrong with us? I mean, it's not hard to do, but what if God wanted to use those doctor's appointments? I've heard testimonies of people on their deathbeds being such great encouragements like none other. What if we went in asking God for opportunities to share our faith with people that we would never come in contact if we didn't have to go to that doctor's office? A sick preacher can have an eternal impact that just a sick person can't have. When we, when we end up alone because someone walked out on us, do we focus on the loneliness? It's easy to do, but what if God has a greater purpose? What if we ask God to use it for his glory? What if we use it for opportunities to share our faith with other lonely people and say, listen, it's hard, but this is how God is sustaining me in the isolation. A lonely preacher can have an impact that just a lonely person doesn't have platform has God given you? How about grief? We know what it is, don't we? Our, our community is, is grieving right now. As the church, those who know Jesus Christ, we have a light Many people are looking for during this time. A grieving preacher can have an eternal impact that just somebody grieving will never have. Are we willing to let God use the difficulties in our lives as a platform for his message? A prisoner, a preacher. He had an eternal impact. That just a prisoner would not have had. Number two, he was on death row. He was on death row, verses 15 through 18. It shows us, show us more of, of Paul's single-mindedness of the gospel. If the gospel was being preached, then that's really all that mattered to Paul. Again, he was martyred in Rome, the place that he wrote this letter. Look at verse 19. For I know that this, his imprisonment, his death sentence will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness as always. So now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death, for me to live as Christ and to die is gain. Uh, we could add death by beheading to that list of things we would not include in this scenario of the life worth living. But again... Paul used it as a platform for the message of Jesus. 
Yes, he was on death row, but he was a death row deliverer of the truth. Inspired by God, he wrote 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. What would our response be if we were sentenced to death for our faith? What would our outlook be knowing that our days are numbered and the state would be responsible for us taking our last breath? We see here that Paul's response was hope and expectation. Verse 20, according to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life, whether in life or by death, for me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. For him, death was gain because of the eternal weight of glory that waited for him. And church, when we are in Christ, that, true, that is true for us as well. This life is temporary, but because of the truth of what Jesus did, death was gain. This was the message he delivered to every palace guard that was chained to him. Every official that he could talk to, and I would imagine even his executioner. Paul had a great and more eternal impact than just a death row inmate would have because he was a death row deliverer of the truth. Prisoner, preacher, death row deliverer. Number three, Paul knew suffering. He knew suffering. Verse 27, only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel, and not in any way terrified by your adversaries, which is to them a proof of perdition, but to you of salvation, and that from God. For to you it has been granted, on behalf of Christ, Not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake, having the same conflict which you saw in me, and now here is in me. Most of this message has been about what Paul suffered. His list is long. It's longer than most of ours, but we still have our own lists. And those lists include loss and pain and shame, and addictions, and struggles. And don't we know, the struggle is real. Just like with anything and everything else in this message, if we only suffer, there is little to no eternal impact. But what made the difference for Paul was that he was a suffering saint. He was a suffering saint. And it was Jesus That gave his suffering purpose. It was Jesus that gave his death sentence purpose. It was Jesus that gave his imprisonment purpose. But it all started when Jesus broke broke him free from his old life. That's when it all started. On the road to Damascus, Jesus met him right there. 
He was a pawn of Satan and completely turned his life around when Jesus met him right there. The change that only Jesus can bring has to happen before we can use any of these things as a platform for his glory. The change with Jesus has to happen before we can glorify God in our suffering. The change, that deep heart change that leads to a lifestyle change has to happen before we can live for Christ. Before we can choose to have joy in the face of all these difficult situations, the the next blank on your outline, Jesus has to change us before any of these other things can happen. And that's likely where some of us need to start today. In your suffering, in your grief, in your pain, the Lord wants to speak to your heart. And he wants to offer you eternal life. In your struggle, he's right there with you as his child. And if you're not his child, he he invites you to become one. By admitting that you are a sinner. Believing that Jesus is who he says he is. The one and only son of God who lived a sinless life. And went to the cross to pay the price for my sins and your sins and the sins of the world. You accept that free gift just like any gift that is given. You have to receive it. It's more than knowing stories about Jesus in your head. It's trusting in him with your heart. That's where some of us need to start today. Does your suffering have purpose? Do you have this this internal joy? Not dependent on the things that are happening, but it's dependent on the truth. What God is doing inside of you. In our Western world, do we only find joy in ideal circumstances? Or does our relationship with Jesus grant us joy even when we would not choose to go through what the Lord has allowed us to go through? Paul's admonition, it speaks to us here today. In the midst of difficulty, verse 27, only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ. When you get that diagnosis, that is not good. Only let your conduct be worthy of of the gospel of Christ. When you find yourself alone and you're tempted to try to fix it on your own, only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ. When life has become more difficult than ever, only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ. When you are suffering loss and deep pain, let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ. When you face struggles and the difficulty is so real, To overcome them. Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Church, what's it going to take for our conduct to be worthy of the gospel of Christ? In your current situation, what needs to happen? Is it complete surrender? Do you need to find accountability? Do you just need to, to trust him? Jesus can bring purpose to all the things that we go through. As our musicians come back, we're going to sing that that song that we sang this morning already, Burdens. I just want to encourage you, listen to the words, worship with us. You may need to come and pray at the altar. 
we believe that God can hear us wherever we are. Sometimes there's just nothing like coming to an old-fashioned altar and leaving it right there. You may just need to cry out to Him. Maybe today He's calling you to accept that free gift of life that is only found in Jesus. Your grief and your pain, He's there. He's listening. In your struggles, He's listening. He's there. He wants to walk with you through them. Allow the Lord to do His work in your heart. Would you stand with, with us, with me? Oh Lord, we invite you to come. And Lord, we acknowledge that the message here today, it's not an easy one to hear. God, we need you. We know it's true. We know the message is true. And so, Father, I pray that you would have your way in our hearts, that you would meet us right where we are, that you would be worshipped here today. In the awesome name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.